You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. This is the fifth part of Father Mackin's Catechism for Children series. On today's episode, he's speaking about the Sixth and the Ninth Commandment. If you would like to hear the four previous episodes, you can visit sspxpodcast.com and under Browse Episodes, choose the Children's Category or just look back in your podcast feed. If you would like more content for children and young adults, please make sure to find also the lives of the saints that are being posted right here on this podcast, delivered by Father Thomas Tam. And we're still in the middle of the personal retreat of the Sacred Heart, given by Father Stephen McDonald. So all of these episodes, as well as all of our archives, are available for free on sspxpodcast.com or by subscribing to the podcast. Just search SSPX in iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any podcast program. Now, here's Father Mackin. Well, my dear friends, hello and welcome. Uh, This is Father Mackin with another catechism from the catacombs, you might say. Uh, Today, we're going to move on to the next lesson in our catechism instruction. And this time, uh, in the book of My Catholic Faith, we're dealing with chapters 109 and 110. And it's on the sixth and ninth commandment. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, for the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle on them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost. Grant them by the gift of the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Our Lady Victory, pray for us. And Maria Goretti, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay, so dear friends, today what we're going to see is, um, of course, the teachings of the church concerning the sixth and the ninth commandment. And of course, the things that come to mind are, are going to be the virtue of purity. And so first thing we're going to see is what does the church teach regarding the sixth and ninth commandment? Like what are we commanded to do in order to be faithful to those commandments? The next question that we're going to see is what are we forbidden to do? Um, in what is considered a violation of the sixth and ninth commandment. Another question we're going to see is what are the most common occasions of sins against uh, holy chastity? Um, another question, when do thoughts about impure things actually become sinful? This is a very uh, common question that we priests will often hear from the faithful. Father, when, when are my thoughts actually considered sinful? You know, when does that temptation turn into a sin versus just a temptation? And uh, the last question we're going to see in the, in the regular um, section of My Catholic Faith is what are some of the chief means to preserve the virtue of chastity? And I think I'm going to give you about six uh, golden rules, you might say, six helps or measures in order to, uh, to preserve um, this beautiful virtue of purity. Another question that I'm going to add in there is just, you know, is this question, does God have a special love for those who are pure? And of course, I think you know the answer, but we're going to, we're going to see uh, some examples there regarding God's love for those who practice um, the virtue of purity. We'd like to start with a story, and this story is, um, you know, by analogy, we're going to compare it to what should be our reaction against temptations concerning holy purity. The story is about an Englishman 
who had a, a pet tiger, believe it or not. So I don't recommend you have a pet tiger. But uh, in the story for this, in this Englishman, for all practical purposes, he had a pet tiger. And this, this beast was tame. It lived in his, in his home. And in fact, he let it just have the run of, of, the, of his house. But one day, while the master was sleeping in his armchair, the tiger came up and was, you know, playfully licked his hand, the story goes. You know, and now on that hand, there had been a, a small cut from earlier in the day. The man was working outside and he cut, him, he cut his hand. So there was some blood there. Well, the man awoke. And when he awoke, you know, he saw with terror uh, that this tiger was there licking his hand where the blood was. Now, what did the man do? Well, the man flipped out. And the man immediately jumped up, made a dash for the door. And when he saw that the tiger, you know, was was uh, about to to pounce on him, he called, you know, his servant to throw uh, um, one of his guns at him. And then taking his gun, he ordered um, that the tiger would be shot dead. It seems quite drastic. You know, you got a pet tiger and this thing is tame. But then all of a sudden, in just a matter of moments, um, you know, you're killing your pet. What, what, what is the reason here? Well, the man knew. He knew that this wild animal, as soon as it got the taste for blood, that, you know, it, as tame and as disciplined and as playful and friendly as the, as the animal was, when a wild animal gets the taste of blood, the scent of blood, um, you know, there's no telling what he will do. And so we're going to use this example um, by analogy to compare it to what happens when we're experiencing the temptation to violate holy purity or, or holy chastity. It's the same thing. The passions of a man can be considered or can be compared to um, that of a wild tiger. Okay, and the moment that it gets that scent, you might say, of a of a of a evil in, um, temptation against holy purity, we know what could happen. Um, the the actions or the the results of what will take place could be drastic, could be fatal to the soul of a man. Okay, so now let's see what are we in fact commanded by Holy Mother Church um, concerning the sixth and ninth commandment. Well, by these two commandments. We are commanded to be pure and modest in both our behavior, that's the sixth commandment, as well as our thoughts and desires, that's the ninth commandment. So it's, it's pretty clear then we see that the church and our Lord and Almighty God, of course, um, have a great concern that we practice holy purity. It says in the book of, uh, in Holy Scripture, in 1 Peter 2, verses 11, it says, quote, Do you not know that your members are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Glorify God and bear Him in your body. And another uh, beautiful uh, quote from the book of Wisdom, chapter 4, quote, Oh, how beautiful is the chaste generation with glory. So there we see that it's something which um, is clearly spoken of in Holy, Holy Scripture, um, that you know, God wants man to practice holy purity. Does God show a special love for those who live chaste lives? I'll give you some examples. Number one, we always think of His Blessed Mother, right? God chose the most purest of all mortals in the Blessed Virgin Mary to be His mother. So that's the first um, way we can answer that question. Does God favor or does he love in a special way the pure? The other example that comes to mind is the Apostle St. John. 
And remember St. John, he's the virgin apostle, and he is known as the beloved in Scripture. He's called the beloved. He was granted the privilege of leaning on the sacred heart of our Lord during the Last Supper. And John had an innocence to him. He was also the youngest of the apostles. Um, and so John had that, that virtue of innocence and purity that was still intact. While many of the other apostles had been married in their previous life, John was not. And the third example I give you is concerning a young girl, a beautiful young girl, whose name was Maria Goretti. And she is known as the patron, you might say, one of the patronesses of the youth, especially concerning chastity. You know, for those who are not familiar with the story of Maria Goretti, I just wanted to take a moment and, uh, and dwell upon that. She was beatified, in fact, in 1947 by Pope Pius XII. She's known as the modern martyr of chastity because in the year 1902, when she was only 16 years old, she was stabbed to death by a 20-year-old man whose name was Alessandro Serenelli. Okay, Now, this man, Alessandro, he tried to violate her purity. He tried to, to force her to do some impure actions with him. She refused. And because of that, he ended up stabbing her some 14 times to death. After her death, Alessandro was sentenced to 30 years um, you know, labor in prison, in a prison called the Regina Celi, which is a prison in the city of Rome. He was so hardened uh, because of his sins, because of his condemnation in prison, that for six years, he refused to show any remorse about what he had done. And then one night, she appeared, that is Maria Goretti. Maria Goretti appeared to him in his prison cell, surrounded by a bright and beautiful light and beautiful lilies. lilies. She looked at him and she smiled. And that was all that was, that's all that he saw in the apparition. But it was enough. At once, his hardened heart was completely conquered. Okay, after, after this vision, he will completely change. His behavior in prison for the rest of his sentence was one of remarkable uh, order and, and kindness to the prison cell, to the prison inmates, as well as to the guards. After serving the rest of his sentence, the story says that he took up residence at a Capuchin monastery in, um, in, in Italy, where he prayed and often visited the Goretti family. You imagine, you know, he, he would go and visit the parents of this poor girl whose life he took because of his addiction to the sins of impurity. And Alessandro will also be present on June 24th, the year 1950, when little Maria Goretti, was elevated to the altar of the saints. She was canonized in 1950, and he would actually be there in St. Peter's Basilica in the, uh, during the canonization ceremony. Just amazing. When he died, he died about the age of 80, and before he died, Alessandro Salonelli uh, left a handwritten letter, um, which I'd like to read to you because I think it's very important. He left a, a letter of testimony, basically explaining, you know, explaining about his life, and so I'll read this to you. He says in the letter, quote, I am nearly 80 years old, I'm about to depart, and looking back at my past, I can see that in my early youth, I chose a bad path which led me to ruin myself. My behavior, he said, was influenced by print, by mass media, and bad examples, which are followed by the majority of young people without even thinking, and I did the same, I was not even worried. There was a lot of generous and devoted people, he says, who surrounded me, but I paid no attention to them because a violent force blinded me and pushed me toward a wrong way of life. 
When I was 20 years old, I committed the crime of passion. Now that memory represents something horrible for me, Maria Goretti, now a saint, was my good angel, sent to me through providence to guide and save me. I still have impressed upon my heart the words of rebuke and of pardon. She prayed for me. She interceded for her murderer. Thirty years of prison followed. If I had been of age, I would have spent all my life in that prison. I accepted it to be condemned because it was my fault. Little Maria Goretti was really my light, my protectress and my help. I behaved well during the 27 years of prison and tried to live honestly when I was again accepted among the members of the society. The brothers of St. Francis, the Capuchins, welcomed me with angelic charity into their monastery as a brother, not as a servant. I've been living uh, with their community now for 24 years, and I am serenely waiting to witness the vision of God and to hug my, my loved ones again and to be next to my guardian angel and her dear mother. I hope this letter that I write can teach others the happy lesson of avoiding evil and of always following the right path like little children. I feel that religion with its precepts is not something that we can live without, but rather it is the real comfort, the real strength in life, the only safe way in every circumstance, even the most painful ones of life. So again, that was the letter from Alessandro Saranelli written at the end of his life. And this was the man who murdered um, Maria Goretti. I think the, the thing that we take away from the story is understanding that it's the sins of our youth. If we, if we don't begin you know, our youth on the right path and cultivating the right virtues and the, and the right uh, way of life and, and actions of the heart, well, then what will happen is we, we can grow up in, with, a, with a type of perversion of the, of, the, of the mind and of the heart. My number one advice for any of the youth uh, that are listening um, to this catechism right now is to remember that you must you must pray to be pure. You must want you must want purity um, in your life. Okay, it's something that we should often be praying for to acquire and to um, to preserve this virtue. You know, some people think that to be pure limits happiness. So, oh, you know, in order to be um, in order to be pure, it means that I have to give up being happy somehow. But that is not true. That is an absolute false reasoning of the world. Purity, in fact, brings a great deal of happiness, allowing us to love uh, things that are higher than those sensual pleasures of the body. You know, purity is like a treasure. It's like a jewel. Okay, and it's too often traded away for a moment of forbidden pleasure. So we can see in the life now of the great St. Augustine, um, he's a wonderful example of one who turned away from the sins of the flesh and embraced a life of holy purity. For those of you uh, not familiar with the story of Augustine, he'll end up leading a very, a very impure life. Okay, For 18 years, in fact, he lived with a woman that was not his wife. Okay, And it was through his mother's tears and his mother's prayers, St. Monica, that finally Augustine's conscience bothered him so much that he eventually began praying that he, that he would change. But his prayers at first were not, were not what they should have been. So at first he prayed, O oh Lord, save me from my sins, but not quite yet. So of course he had an attachment to his sin. And the second type of prayer after that one, he prayed, Lord, save me from my sins, except one. 
And we know what that one sin was. It was the sin of impurity. And finally, the third uh, form of prayer that came from the lips of Augustine were the most beautiful. And he said, Lord, save me from my sins and save me now. Okay, so at a certain point in time, we see that it's that there's this uh, this attachment to our sins, which often prevent us from fully converting and embracing a life of virtue. So again, my advice is look to these great saints. Look to a great saint like Maria Goretti. Look to one like Augustine. Augustine is someone that he was not perfect at the beginning of his life. He, he was far from it. And yet we see that he made the necessary changes. He, he, he converted and turned away from his sinful life. And now he's hailed as one of the greatest saints, one of the greatest fathers and doctors of the Catholic Church. So now let's move on to the second part of the Catechism, which is what are we forbidden by the Sixth and Ninth Commandment? Well, the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, it forbids all impurity and immodesty in words, looks, thoughts, and actions, whether that's alone or with another. Now, all sins of impurity are opposed to the holiness of God, in whose image we are made. So you know that. We are temples, our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost, right? And also, we, we, that body receives Holy Communion when we go to Holy Mass. So for these reasons, it's, it's clear that we must, therefore, uh, treat this body and, and not uh, violate this body by bad thoughts, by bad words, by bad actions, etc. Um, it's important to note, therefore, that impurity is always a mortal sin. Except, okay, except when there is an incomplete consent. And when you're in doubt, it's always good to, to at least mention it in the confessional. Um, but as long as you're not giving consent, well, then yes, the, then an impurity is just a temptation. But the moment that you give consent and take pleasure in that thought or, or that, uh, that, forbidden, that forbidden action, well, then now uh, it becomes a sin. Now, the Sixth and Ninth Commandment commands, therefore, and tells us to acquire good, clean habits of thinking, speaking, and living. So let's look at the three different purities that we should have. We're going to look at the purity of thought. We're going to look at the purity in speech. And then we're going to look at the purity in action. So first of all, the purity in thought. Now, bad thoughts, you know, they pour into the heart, right? Like mud and dirt, okay? Just, just like a swimming pool. Or, or some well pump, you know, you got to have a filter. We, we really do. It's, it's like anything. The swimming pool is not going to remain crystal clear without a filter, without someone, you know, taking out the dirt and the, the leaves that might settle at the bottom of the pool. Um, it's, it's true of our drinking water. You're not just going to go to the river and pull out a fresh cup of clean water. You need to have a filter. You need to pull out what, what we might call the impurities uh, in order to to have there the uh, the pure water to drink, so it's a serious sin we say to purposely cause or keep an impure thought, and and again it becomes a sin the moment that we are aware of that thought and take pleasure and you know refuse to reject it altogether. Now, regarding the reading and watching of videos, you know we live in a, in an age that's constantly you know these. With our devices, we're constantly able to see and read things. Well, obviously, we should be very careful because readings and videos can fill our minds with filth. And if we entertain ourselves with indecent literature and immodest shows, well, then we're opening up the trap. We're allowing that mud and that dirt 
to flow into our into our hearts through our through our thoughts. Um, how sad it is to think about all the inappropriate literature, inappropriate songs, inappropriate videos that are available today on the inter- on the internet. I think about the poor souls of these people who are responsible for these songs, writings, for these videos. Um, you know, even long after their death, those materials are still in circulation. They're still out there tempting and condemning and corrupting the innocence of, of our youth. And so that is very sad. And we should pray for those people. We should pray that they change, uh, turn from their wicked lives. Um, and on the last point of just to, con- the, on the purity of thought, it's just so important to be reading good books, to listen to beautiful music and to watch wholesome shows so that we can keep our thoughts and our desires holy. It doesn't take much to throw us off in this, in this world. With all the immodesty of fashions out there, with the impurities that are, that are just so common today to be spoken about, um, it's just so important that we, take, that we have this filter um, that is constantly there. Now let's move on to the purity in speech. Uh, impure words or stories or slogans, we can compare them to like sharp daggers to the soul. They cut deep into the soul and they cause a spiritual death. It's also a mortal sin, of course, to purposely listen to or to tell such stories. So sometimes we, we may not be able to avoid hearing bad things, okay? Uh, for instance, if you're at work or at school, you may be surrounded by people who, who, don't, who don't, you know, don't care about the fact that you're trying to be pure in your speech. Um, and so in this case, if you're, if you're trying your hardest to not listen to it and you don't give your approval, well, then it's no sin, okay? St. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 3, he says, quote, But immorality and every uncleanness, let it not even be named among you as become saints. And again, it's said in uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3, let our conversation be in heaven. That's what we should think of when we think of good, wholesome speech. And I often like pointing out, and I, uh, I tell the parents, I say, blessed are the parents who will wash their children's mouth out with soap when they're caught cussing or speaking impurely. You know, I, I, I joke that in my house at home, my mom always preferred Irish spring soap. And while this is not a confession, I can tell you that it doesn't take more than just tasting Irish spring soap one time to, uh, to correct your, your language. Let's move on then to the third part, which is the purity in action. It is a mortal sin to purposely cause impure feelings in yourself or in another outside of marriage. To those who um, may have uh, fallen into, into such sins, my advice would be don't be discouraged. Okay, do not be discouraged. Uh, let's look at some, some helps. Okay, so we're going to give you here six uh, examples or six remedies, six helpful remedies in order to ward off and be more successful when it comes to your fight against temptations concerning purity. First and foremost, we always tell everyone you must avoid as much as you can anything that would be of a danger. So take no chances with this uh, vice of impurity. Just like you know, for instance, that if you put a match on gunpowder, uh, that gunpowder will explode. Okay, you don't need to experiment with that. All right, and that's a that's a given. It will occur. Um, it's the same with these impurities. The moment you flirt with them. The moment you expose yourself to them, uh, you're going to cause a major explosion. 
a major damage to the body and to the soul, uh, which may end up last, lasting a whole lifetime. So the first, again, um, remedy is to avoid anything that's, that's near an occasion of sin or dangerous. Secondly, stay close to the sacraments. Um, we cannot emphasize that enough. Stay close to the sacrament of confession and as well as Holy Communion. God will see you through. Thirdly, always be modest. Modest in your dress, in your posture, in your conversation, uh, the way you carry yourself. Remember that we should act, if you want a golden rule, I heard one time, act as though your mother was always watching. If there's something that you um, wouldn't do in front of your mother, if you would be ashamed of it, whether it's something that you would say, something that you would do or suggest, um, well then, why are you doing it, right? Uh, fourthly, um, is keep busy. Yes, an idle mind is the devil's workshop, is the old saying. So keep busy. Have a schedule, especially for times when you might say temptations are the greatest. The fifth remedy is to cultivate a solid and true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay, never ever let a day go by where you're not saluting our Blessed Mother with three uh, good Hail Marys, um, praying for that virtue of purity. You are her child, you're her son or daughter, and she loves you dearly. And she's going to protect you. And the, the sixth and last remedy that we can give is, um, yes, always have your thought on your eternal salvation. If you are always thinking about the judgment day that is coming in the future, about, about perhaps your future spouse or about your future children or about your honor and your reputation, if you kept those things on your mind, well, then, yes, you're going to be able to, to you know, stir up the strength uh, to avoid thinking, speaking, or acting in an impure manner. Um, it says in the book of the Imitation of Christ, it says, Man, keep your last end before you, and you will not sin. That is a great suggestion. Keep your last end before you, which is heaven, which is hell, which is death and judgment, and you will not sin. Um, we might finish this catechism class with a story, uh, a story of the great St. Catherine of Siena, who, you know, sometimes we think that these saints were not tempted, that they somehow, you know, were born, everything was in order, and so they didn't have the unruly passions. Uh, such could not be further from the truth, and especially the saints. These were some of the most passionate men and women um, alive. Okay, so the story of St. Catherine of Siena goes that once she was severely tempted against holy purity. Um, the temptation lasted uh, quite a while, and she was um, she was the whole time trying her hardest to to you know practice all of the discipline of pushing away the bad thoughts of saying the prayers. And so she tried, but she felt like she was totally alone in the struggle, you know, and we might feel like that too sometimes. When finally, after the temptation, so she had, she had persevered, she won, she beat off the temptation, right? Our Lord finally appeared to her, and she'll ask our Lord, she'll say, Dear Lord, where were you? Where were you when the evil one was there? Where were you when those evil thoughts were in my mind? You know, because I felt like I was alone. And Jesus replied to her and said, My daughter, I was in thy heart. I was in thy heart, taking pleasure in the victorious battle. That you were waging. So that's a pretty uh, pretty neat story, I think, to, to end this catechism with because, yes, life is f going to be full of temptations. We live in a very impure atmosphere in our culture. Okay, so many suggestive 
and and uh, and inappropriate material that is out there, and especially with the age of the internet. So yes, we should be so prudent. Um, I always tell the teenagers, especially uh, every priest does, you know, as far as the you know um, the the filters on the phone, you know, we can hold ourselves to a standard. You know, we are not like the rest of men. We must be different. We must go down the path of Calvary, and it might be a difficult path. It might seem like it's uh, a lot of laws and restrictions in our religion, but remember, we are going to be the happiest of souls one day when we appear before the judgment seat, and we can look at our Lord, and we can show Him our baptismal robe. And for those who have kept that innocence, or those who have lost the innocence, but have made efforts to try and recover it, right? Like we think of the great Saint Augustine, or we think of the Saint um, Mary Magdalene. These are two very beautiful saints who perhaps squandered their youth in their, in, squandered their purity, sorry, in their youth, but were able to turn around and make that recovery. So may God bless you in your efforts. Always stay close. Remember those six remedies, right? You know, avoiding danger, confessing your sins, um, being modest, uh, you know, being busy, uh, cultivating that devotion to the Blessed Mother. And the last one was just keeping your eyes fixed on the goal. How many races in, in, in sports, how many games, how many tournaments or how many competitions are lost because the athlete takes his eyes off of the goal? If you stay focused on the goal, no matter where you are along the way, you'll, your chances of victory are going to be greatly increased. Our goal is heaven. Our goal is the eternal crown that awaits us there in paradise. And that is the most, the highest and most sublime of all goals. So may God bless you. Let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. And St. Mary Maria Goretti, pray for us. God bless you.